0: There's joy in every journey.
1: Jody Mack here with you on a Sunday get-together on CBS Sports Radio. Coming up shortly is the big reveal. The field of 68 for the NCAA tournament. We're going to bring on someone here who knows it quite well. If you've been following his bracketology all year long, you've got a pretty good grasp on who he likes. He's going to fill in a couple blanks for us. CBSSports.com's bracketologist Jerry Palm joins us here on CBS Sports Radio. How are you, Jerry? I'm all right. How are you? Good. Uh, Leading up to tonight's big reveal, of course, you got tournament week, which uh, all the conferences have their tournaments. Anything jump out of you? Anything surprise you? Anything got you uh, hitting the backspace on your computer so you could change (laughs) numbers around? Who grabbed your attention?
2: Yeah, well, you have to start with Georgetown and Oregon State. Uh, Everybody thinks that, you know, bid stealers uh, come from the smaller conferences uh, because. The regular season winner is good enough to be an at-large team, but somebody else wins the tournament. Uh, but this year, the bid-stealers came from major conferences. Georgetown okay. went in the Big East and Oregon State in the Pac-12, taking two bids, at-large bids off the table. Uh, and uh, I think that, you know, that, that's a, in a sense it's kind of a shame because some teams are going to be disappointed, but great for for those two programs. Uh, I think Oregon State was picked last in the Pac-12 this year. and Georgetown was, would have been picked near the bottom as well. And uh, and the, the eighth seed, I think, Georgetown was. So what a great run through the tournament for them. And uh, But it was a bad year for the top seeds in conference tournaments anyway. I think it was like 19 of the 31 top seeds did not win their tournaments.
1: Ouch. Didn't know that number. Uh, that's why we have Jerry Palman to give us these type of stats and facts. All right. Out of those two you mentioned, Oregon State, Georgetown, which one has the better chance to parlay the hot run in their conference tournament into an NCAA win?
2: Well, it might depend on the kind of a the seed they get or the kind of draw they get. But, uh, you know, Georgetown's really gotten so much better as this season has worn on and, and has um, a great run through the Big East tournament. Uh, I have a little bit more faith in Georgetown than I do Oregon State because it, I just didn't think that much of the Pac-12 in general this year. Uh, But both of those teams are hot and feeling good. So um, and they're probably going to be 12 or 13 seeds, which uh, means that they'll get games that they can win. Probably, you know, the kind of games they've already won.
1: We've seen 13 seeds win before. So we'll see if that's the case again. All right. The tournament selection committee has their process. They go through. You have to try and match that and keep it as to what you think, but also what you think they're going to eventually put out. How, much was that changed, if at all, do you believe, by the fact that we're living in a COVID world this year?
2: Well, the process is the same. It's the data that's different. This year you've got teams that are playing a really different number of games. You know, some have played... I was trying to compare, you know, Wichita State the other day with uh, uh, who played 18 total games with a team that had 18 wins and 8 losses. and And it's hard to make those comparisons because... One team has just had so many more opportunities to, to prove itself. And it's um, so you can only kind of judge these teams based on what they've done with the chances they had. Uh, but if you kind of get up, caught up in raw numbers like number of quad one wins and things like that, uh, that may not apply because so many, because of the, the different number of games that these teams have played.
1: We're talking to Jerry Palmer, our bracketologist here at CBS on CBS Sports Radio. All right. uh, The brackets will be revealed and everyone will start to take out their pens and papers and start to pick them and uh, end up with a a championship. A lot of people have, if they don't know, don't watch like you do, uh, ways that they want to try and figure it out. And they use specific trends, like uh, what coaches had championship runs before, guard play, veteran guard play, road record. Do you use any of those? What trends do you lean on when you try and first you got to get the field set, but then you got to try and figure out who you think are going to win these games. Any trends you lean on? Yeah. NBA talent. It's hard (laughs) to get to the final four
2: without first round draft pick NBA talent on your roster. It may happen once in a great while, uh, but it doesn't happen very often. So uh, that's the first thing I look for is who's got that level of a guy, someone that they could really ride uh, deep into a, an NCAA tournament. Um, and then, yeah, guard play is important. It helps to have good guards. Uh, and I think it just helps to be old in general. Uh, you know, if you have a lot of freshmen on your team, you know, Kentucky and Duke have shown that you can do well in the NCAA tournament with freshman heavy teams. Uh, But unless you've got a lot of really good freshmen, it's hard to do that. Uh, So I find that, you know, older teams tend to do better uh, in the NCAA tournament.
1: Fair enough. You mentioned a couple of surprises in their conference tournament. Uh, Oregon State, Georgetown jumping up and winning. Uh, You mentioned that the top seeds didn't do all that well. Uh, was there anyone other than the two that you mentioned who were a little bit more of a figure team that you thought, okay, they're going to be in the dance, but I don't know how I'm going to put them, and then they jumped through, made a nice run through their conference tournament that you're given a slightly better chance to uh, win in advance when they get into the big dance than you would have a week ago? Yeah, there have
2: been a, a couple of teams uh, that that not it wasn't just how they did in their conference tournament, but really how they finished the, the last couple of weeks of the regular season as well. And one of those is Michigan State, who picked up three top five wins in the last couple of weeks of the regular season and went from not even being a thought as a tournament team to into the bracket and uh, really made a strong run, uh, won a game in the conference tournament. But, oh, no, they lost to Maryland, who actually needed the game more. But you're going to see two Big Ten teams, Maryland and Michigan State, in the tournament that had to do well uh, late to get in. Um, And then North Carolina, Had a good, strong run at the end of play, uh, the end of the season in the conference tournament. And uh, Syracuse as well had a good run more at the end of the regular season, although they did win a game in the conference tournament, which was an important win for them.
1: Yeah, uh, might be the difference between them getting in the tournament and or being sitting at home. All right, it was... A long, long time ago, you and I might be old enough to remember when Bobby Knight ran the table with his Indiana Hoosiers. The last undefeated team in college basketball was 45 years ago. Gonzaga's the only one left with a shot. They'll come in as the number one overall seed. Uh, they are 26-0. and 0. If they win out, they'll go to 31-0. A little less than what we're seeing usually for the NCAA winners. But again, it's a COVID world in which we live. We've been waiting a long time for an undefeated team to run the table and win the championship. What kind of shot does Gonzaga have to pull that off?
2: They have a great shot because they've got all of those things that I mentioned that you look for in teams that uh, can do well in the tournament. They've got uh, probably two first-round draft picks on the roster. Uh, they're an older team. They have really good guards. Um, it's a very talented team. You know, We haven't seen play good competition now for a couple of months, but they played plenty in November and December. And, uh, and did very well. So I uh, I expect Gonzaga to be one of the favorites. I'll be surprised if they don't make the Final Four at least. And uh, we'll see if uh, Mark Pugh can finally get that first national championship.
1: And to do it with an undefeated team would be a pretty nice cherry on top for Mr. Pugh and the Gonzaga fans. All right, look, certainly a different tournament than we've ever had before in that all the games are going to be played in one state. I know they—they're going to label them east and west and north and south, and, but it's everybody in Indianapolis, um, which means everyone's playing in the same time zone. How is that going to affect scheduling for those who are going to be watching and either circling or making X's on their brackets? Well,
2: I, I mean the scheduling is going to be the same, uh, but the difference is that sometimes they would, you know, save the the later games for. Uh, the West region teams, you know, the Western sites, uh, that's obviously not going to be an option this year, but they'll still have, you know, they'll have roughly the same game times um, and in the schedule that they usually have. Uh, one di- main difference will be that the final four is being played on one day instead of two, uh, but I still think they're going to stagger the times so that those uh, each get uh, an individual uh, TV window. Uh, but yeah, scheduling is going to be interesting, but I don't know if we'll notice too much of a difference.
1: We'll see how it plays itself out. All right, before we let you run, Jaren, get ready for the big reveal. I need a sleeper team, and here's how I'll define a sleeper team. Must be a seventh seed or higher, which makes it through the first weekend to the second weekend. No, they haven't come out with it yet, so I'm kind of asking you to analyze what you think the seeds will be and also give me a team that's pretty damn live at a pretty big number. Who's your sleeper heading in?
2: Uh, I'll give you two uh Loyola of Chicago who was in the final four a few years ago. Uh the seniors on this team uh would have been freshmen on that team and one of them played a prominent role Cameron Crutwig, their center the player of the year in the Missouri Valley. And then St. Bonaventure the team that just won the Atlantic 10 today uh over VCU a very good defensive team and and defense is uh the kind of thing that shows up every night. So I you know good defensive teams always have a shot and uh St. Bonaventure is going to have a shot probably to win a couple of games.
1: And correct me if I'm wrong. Two Catholic universities. Uh, I believe
2: that's true. Yes. There you I go. Know well, is I know Loyola is. I'm sure Saint Bonaventure probably is too. Yeah. And I'm
1: pretty sure Saint Bonaventure's is too. With Satan, its name. That means mm-hmm. uh, your penance this week. No Hail Marys. No Our Fathers for you. You can go uh, <laughs> straight to communion line. Jerry, thanks for hopping on board with us tonight. Enjoy the reveal. Uh, enjoy the entire tournament. We'll try and get you on again before we get to championship weekend. Okay. Thanks. My pleasure. Jerry Palm, bracketologist for CBS Sports. He will be on CBS Sports Network tonight. He's here with us on CBS Sports Radio.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.